and welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Marriage. Depending on who you are, it is either the greatest earthly blessing of your life or your greatest earthly trial. Or, if you're not married, it's uh, something that perhaps you envision as filled with optimism and the impossibility that anything could ever go wrong. Marriage, actually, is uh, a good gift of God, and it's the most intimate human relationship created by God. And I I would like to take uh, really the next um, couple of uh, times together here on the podcast to talk a little bit about marriage to explore some different uh, different avenues. Uh, just as a way of uh, giving you a little bit of a heads up for today, um, as we kind of define marriage, I'm going to be doing a little bit of um, contrasting it with kind of some of the world's ideas. Uh, I'm not going to be going into detail in describing anything, uh, but uh, if you do have young kids listening, just so you know, uh, I will be mentioning a lot of the different distortions and perversions of, of marriage, um, and so uh, just be uh, aware of that. Uh, as we begin this conversation, uh, we do need to really start with a meaningful definition. Uh, marriage has been hijacked in today's culture really to be whatever people want it to be. Is that a problem, you may ask? You know, we all have different tastes and preferences. You know, what makes one preference superior to another? Uh, A large part of my uh, ethnic heritage is Sicilian, and as a consequence, I have uh, grown up to love uh, a variety of Italian dishes. In fact, I think a tomato sauce runs through my veins. I just love anything with tomato sauce, uh, meatballs, pasta. I actually happen to prefer pasta and meatballs uh, over sauerkraut, but at the same time, I'm also not on an evangelistic crusade to convert people over to the superiority of uh, Italian food, as as right as I may be on that particular issue. Um, but in reality, I have no problem believing that you know my preference of meatballs and your preference of sauerkraut or whatever are both equally legitimate choices, and that. Neither of us should be punished for our preferences. Um, they're both, you know, valid and uh, and good. On the other hand, if someone announced that they happen to prefer murder to, let's say, the quiet life, we would say that you've crossed a line from mere preferences into the realm of morality. Nobody would treat murder as a valid option among many preferences. And for the most part, our culture is increasingly viewing marriage as fitting into the preference category. Um, For instance, one uh, family uh, is quoted as saying uh, the the following um, about um, uh, polyamory, which is basically as many people as you want uh, in a relationship. They say this, quote, This should be the future of relationships where people are able to enjoy love in any way they feel works. Three people and three parents makes so much sense to us, end quote. Is that true? Should people be able to enjoy love in any way they feel works, as they say? 
Or are there certain kinds of love, quote-unquote, that are off-limits? Our culture is increasingly seeing all forms of, quote-unquote, love as legitimate, uh, appropriate, and good. And when I, I'm putting quotes around the word love because, um, obviously, uh, I'm not uh, advocating that that's a legitimate expression of true love. What is overlooked in statements like this uh, should be just glaringly obvi- obvious. Um, any way that you want, really, no boundaries, no limitations, no restrictions, no definition of what's good and bad. Would these same people uh, wish to suggest that uh, pedophilia uh, is a valid expression of love? The same arguments that have been used to justify uh, homosexuality, for instance, can really be used, for the most part, to justify any form of immorality. So while the cardinal sin for the sexual revolutionaries is to suppress desires, those same revolutionaries themselves will call for the suppression of desires which don't align with their tribe's agenda, which really changes the discussion. Nobody or almost nobody, is really saying that people should be able to enjoy love in any way they feel works. Rather, everyone, or most everyone, is arguing for love in ways which align with their own view of what's acceptable and what's not. Uh, So for the meantime, uh, most people see pedophilia, polyamory is wrong, Uh, Admittedly, our moorings are drifting even from that, but most still believe um, that these things should be restricted. And of course, the list goes on. Um, There is objectum sexuality, where there is attraction to inanimate objects. Um, There's sologamy, which is marrying yourself. There are other perversions. In fact, one article that I read yesterday uh, was entitled... Japanese groom spends $18,000 to get married to a hologram. Marriage has been redefined to be whatever people want it to be. We asked earlier whether or not that was a problem, and I would assert that it is a problem. And I'd also venture to guess that if most people were pressed far enough, uh, conservative, liberal, whatever you happen to be, uh, you would agree that uh, that it is a problem. We can't make it whatever we want it to be with no limitations. We still believe that there are boundaries which we should never cross. It's not that we, uh, that we all don't have boundaries. Rather, it's that we define those boundaries differently. And since that's the case, the question becomes this. How do we know what those boundaries are? And as is always the case, we want to begin our moral reasoning with God and His Word, Uh, In fact, I've talked a couple of times on the authority of the word, and I'm not going to rehash that here, but feel free to go back and listen to those episodes. So so let's just kind of pause for a second here. We're talking about marriage. We're talking about the imposters of marriage, if we can put it that way, the perversions, the sinful uh, expressions or, um, you know, attempts to copy and distort it. Uh, It can be clarifying to distinguish truth from falsehood. And so if we're going to talk about marriage Uh, and we're going to live in the culture that we live in today, we're going to need to define it positively, but also define it negatively. What is it and what is it not? How do we define marriage? That's the question we began with, and we really haven't even gotten there yet. And so in seeking to answer this question, what we're going to need to do is to do exactly what Jesus did, and that's to go back to Genesis. 
when Jesus was asked about divorce by the Pharisees, <clears throat> he says in Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Jesus goes back to the creation account uh, in order to understand God's intention behind marriage. Jesus quotes from Genesis 1.27 and 2.24. What do we learn about this, or what do we learn from this account? Well, there's a few things we learn. Uh, the first thing is that we learn uh, that God has created two genders, male and female. Uh, we didn't really have to park on this reality uh, even five or ten years ago, uh, but now we do have to. You may have heard of a recent story of a Dutch man who is trying to have his age changed from uh, 69 years old, which is what he is, to 45. Uh, apparently, his doctors say that... Um, you know, he has the biological age of a 45-year-old person. He believes that uh, if he legally changes his age, he's going to have a better chance of uh, finding a date. He's going to be able to get more work. He's going to be able to drive a different car, and he lists a number of advantages like this that he's going to have uh, if he's able to legally change uh, his birthday, his birth year, and his age. Uh, what is his, uh, his argument? That, that's actually kind of the interesting thing uh, when I read this particular article. His argument was this. If transgender people can change their sex, uh, he should be allowed to change his birthday. And you know what? He's exactly right. If transgender ideology is right, then there's nothing that prevents him from doing this. Uh, one of the lessons to take away from this is that we need to be more disciplined in following our ideologies to their logical conclusions. Um, there, there's nothing, if it's okay to say, well, you know, I, I'm a man, but actually I'm just a woman trapped in a man's body or whatever it is. If that's the kinds of arguments that we're going to make, then there's, there's nothing that prevents us from being able to make the same conclusion in other categories as well, such as age, birth year, those kinds of things. We can literally be, you know, anything that we want um, if transgenderism is all right. And so it really opens the door for redefining all kinds of, uh, all kinds of things. Uh, but here's what, uh, here's what the article said, um, quoted the – or reference the court uh, on the problem of this. Uh, it says this quote, but the court said that there would be a that there would be practical problems in allowing people to change their birth date as it would mean legally deleting part of their lives end quote. That's true. <laughs> um, and that's also true for transgender people by the way. you know supposing you could change your gender, which you can't, you know, what happens to the old you? Is he or she just deleted from existence? Do they cease to exist? And the problem uh, is actually with one of the problems is with the very word delete itself. Because the word delete uh, itself implies that something was once there. It implies that this man's age was there, did exist, in fact, does exist. Uh, it actually affirms, the word delete itself affirms the very reality which is trying to be denied, namely the reality that that life did not exist, 
that he did not exist in that year that he really was born. He existed and was born in another year. Uh, you can't erase something from ever existing. And when we try to go in all these kinds of directions, uh, as, as seems to increasingly be the case today, this pesky little thing called reality just keeps getting in our way. Uh, Romans 1 reminds us very clearly that people will suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And so there is a uh, attack by our culture, by, uh, by and large today, on things that are true, things that are good, things that are right. Uh, we could say that there's an attack on even reality itself because people will suppress truth and unrighteousness. Now, I'm not trying to get distracted from kind of the main issue, but when we're discussing marriage, it's important to make sure, especially in today's day, that you get gender right. Um, that's We need to spend time on that today, and it wasn't the case um, even a few years ago. So the first thing we know is that God creates two distinct separate genders— Uh, Next, we know that a man and woman are to leave their parents and to marry one another. God is the one who joins them together so that they become one flesh. Um, This is that, you know, they become one man and one woman for life. Um, You know, not polygamy, uh, not polyamory, not homosexuality, uh, not sologamy, not anything else. Marriage is a leaving of the family unit and coming together in a lifelong commitment. Sexual intimacy is confined to the marriage relationship only. Marriage is a covenant, Ezekiel 16, 8, Malachi 2, 14. And, and marriage is also inherently Christian. And this last one's important. You know, why all these attacks on marriage? It's because we are naturally at enmity with God, and thus people will do anything to resist God's order, even if it means reconstructing reality itself. In Ephesians 5, 31 through 32, we read this. Uh, Paul is uh, talking about marriage. In fact, he, he goes back, uh, as Jesus does, to the creation uh, account, creation narrative, and he says this, uh, quoting, Uh, Genesis. He said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Very interesting passage. Here's uh, the point that Paul's making. Redemption is the reality and marriage is the picture. He's saying that marriage refers to Christ and the church. Uh, That's what the intent was from the beginning. That's why uh, John Frame, uh, writing in the context of adultery, says this, quote, Adultery, therefore, is not only covenant treason, but also a rejection of redemptive grace, end quote. And that really is the case not only of adultery, but all sorts of marriage perversions. It is a rejection of God's redemptive grace. It is a rejection of the gospel. It is a rejection of God's plan to uh, redeem uh, people from every tribe and tongue. This is important, uh, and it is for this reason that we can assert what we what we said a moment ago, uh, that marriage is distinctively Christian. Uh, marriage was intended to be a visual representation of something else, namely redemption. God didn't make marriage and then afterwards happened to think, you know, oh, I can use, uh, you know, marriage to represent redemption. You know, redemption 
uh, came first and marriage came second. Marriage was intended to be a picture, and that's exactly what Paul says. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. Mystery in the Bible, by the way, is something that uh, previously was not revealed to us and then later is revealed to us. And so uh, it was not revealed earlier in redemptive history uh, that um, it was specifically a reference to Christ and the church, although there were hints in, in the sense that God uses marriage to describe his relationship with his people. But it's not until we get to Ephesians that we see uh, the specific reference to Christ and to the gospel. Seen in this light, marriage is good and holy and right. As Christians, we should be the most pro-marriage, pro-sex people on the planet because God rejoices in those things. He created them, but he created them with certain boundaries, and our attempt to redefine them is a veiled attempt to become gods ourselves. We want to, or rather we don't want to submit to God's law. We want to define reality ourselves. And so we would really conclude today, uh, really essentially accomplishing just one thing, trying to, to just determine what is marriage itself. Uh, and so, so we conclude today really with the reality that marriage is a physical and spiritual union between one biological man and one biological woman for life. It is the exclusive domain for legitimate sexual expression and it functions as a spiritual picture of the relationship that Jesus has with his church. And thus, it is distinctively Christian. It is distinctively theological. That's what marriage is. Um, when I was originally kind of processing through how I was going to do uh, this today, I wasn't originally thinking to kind of tread through all of that uh, today. But uh, in light of where our culture is, uh, I hope that it's helpful. I think it's necessary uh, for these kinds of um, affirmations um, and, and discussions through these realities. One resource that may be helpful for you um, to, uh, to look at a little bit further would be uh, the Nashville Statement, and it has a lot of, uh, in fact, I've, I've signed that myself. Uh, it has a lot of um, affirmations and denials on uh, sexuality and gender and all these kinds of things. And so uh, really, uh, from a biblical worldview, uh, taking a look at those uh, realities. So I am planning on doing uh, one or maybe even two more uh, talks on marriage, and hopefully uh, we'll focus a little bit more on the positive side of it, but uh, grateful uh, to have uh, you along for the ride uh, in the meantime. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Oroville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossview.org.